The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. We are now very pleased to welcome into the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc on Voice America Sports. We are now... um, very pleased again to welcome in Rob Douster. He's the lead college basketball writer at NBC Sports and the creator of popular basketball website ballinisahabit.com. Rob, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. What's going on, man? So, first, Rob, we're going to ask you some background questions just so the viewers can get to understand. Um, who Rob Douster really is, and and your background. So you went up, you went to a uh, a small liberal arts college in Vassar uh, College uh, in Poughkeepsie, New York. So um, just talk about your economics degree, and uh, talk about how you enjoyed playing basketball for that D three school, and and really um, just talk about how um, your experience playing at Vassar and how that piqued your interest for basketball. Well, I mean, I always was a, a basketball fan. I'm from Connecticut, so I kind of, you know, grew up on the Big East and everything like that. And um, I kind of had a choice to make when I was about to go to college. Do I want to try to, you know, play college basketball for a team that doesn't really actually matter at all? Or do I want to – basically, it came down to either go to a D3 school to try to play ball or end up going to, like, a UConn or something like that. And I figured that, you know, it would probably be more fun to – you know, even if I just went there for a year and transferred out or something like that, just to go and play and you know, say I did it and ended up sticking around and let, enjoyed the people that I was going to college with, enjoyed the campus, and, you know, that's just kind of how it played out. Um, as far as the economics degree, I don't think I've actually done anything with that since I graduated. I kind of, um, when I left, I, I, got, I was sitting at a terrible desk job, like answering phones and just being miserable all the time, and Well, that's an incredible story. So one afternoon you were sitting there at your desk job, and I'm sure that like many jobs like that, you started low, low on the totem pole because you're a young guy coming out of college. And so you just you probably knew how to create a website. Um, just talk about your motive for ballinisahabit.com. And the real question I'm interested in is there's probably a lot of people out there that make websites, but you are the um, unique one in the sense that you gained so much traction that it 
landed you a future. Talk about um, the website, the motive, and how you marketed the website into becoming such a big deal. I mean that that's really uh so so you were bartending to uh to pay the bills and uh just a couple more questions along this subject that I that I got from just hearing your answer is that did did Seth Davis did he actually like st- did he started following you did he instant message you to meet up with to meet up with him to actually talk in person who was the first person that you really broke through with there and then this website balling is a habit what did they say about your writing what do you think made the website so unique that these guys were so drawn to it do you think it was you playing basketball and talking about X's and O's or was it your humor kind of like a Mark Titus sort of a website no it was just kind of you know when you go out and it's one thing to to see like a Twitter handle or you know a website or whatever but when you go out and actually meet these people and see them at the same events over and over again and they they kind of recognize that hey you know this guy's paying his own way and work his own work in his own way and you know for a lot of those guys that they see that you're working hard and that you really want something you know they'll they'll kind of help you out because they're all good people in the industry and you know i think that what really kind of got me in was just going up and shaking hands and saying hello and introducing myself and once they they recognize the name and, and the site that i was running um it just kind of worked out that way. You know, now it's to the point where you know you, you call a lot of those people friends just because you see them 
all the time all over the place. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it was. It wasn't anything different than, you know, a typical, the, the kind of networking that you would do in any other business. As far as what the site was, I mean, we, we had a little bit of everything on there. We tried to, to snark it up with the best of them, and, you know, we, we tried to get some um, analysis on there, and, you know, we, of course, we posted plenty of videos, and I think what ended up getting us the most attention was we, uh, we went on a road trip two years ago now, actually exactly two years ago from this day, we were probably somewhere out in the middle of Kansas. We, went, we were out on the road for 23 days. Wow. There's another guy that ran the site with me named Troy Macker, who now writes for the Sporting News, and uh, we, we just, 13 games, 23 days, made it from D.C. all the way out to Logan, Utah. We saw Indiana play, Kansas play, Butler play, Marquette play. We were, it was, uh, so, we so you just got out. You just sorry. You just got out in like an RV and kind of just took a road trip with Troy. You're saying? Yeah, it was it was kind of insane. But we put we put so much. We were planning that thing for like three months. It, it was just wow. It, it, a lot of effort went into to making that happen. But it was. I mean, we got a lot of attention for it. Um, we uh, we did this thing where um, we spent a night in Joplin, in Missouri. Yeah. Like two months after uh, after the tornado hit there. Mm-hmm. And we went and we volunteered for a day um, rebuilding somebody's house with Habitat for Humanity. And we said that for every follower that we gained while we were there, we would donate a dollar to uh, to the Habitat for Humanity Relief. And then we ended up like adding something like 900 followers and almost like destroying the trip because like we I, I, we uh, I think at the time we had like 2,000 or 3,000 followers on Twitter. We added like eight or 900. And, kind of like destroyed the budget that we had for the trip but uh i mean it worked well yeah which kind of evened it out so it was kind of like a, a hangover type of a trip then on the road i mean that that's so cool i mean that's a story that uh that um not a lot of people will actually share on the show and uh you know, one thing I, I have to ask, I mean, it's so tough. I mean, I want to start talking about um, Creighton a little bit, but I love hearing about your background so much. It's it's really interesting. And uh, my question is, your family, when they saw that you were bartending, you have a degree in economics, did anybody in your family say, hey, you should really go into the stock market or whatever you were interested in with your college degree? Did your parents, did they, because it kind of sounds like uh, a route that uh, – that a lot of older folks would say, uh, "This, I, I don't know if you're going to make it work. It's so competitive." Talk about the people that advised you not to do it, and talk about you and Troy and and your families. Uh, just talk about their input and, uh, and and what you fought, and you know how you talked to your family about what you were doing. Well, they were they were they kind of thought I was crazy at first, but you know they were uh, they knew I hated the job that I was in, and you know I was 23 years old at the time. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was just, I was like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit my job, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go bartend and, and run a website. And they were kind of like, uh, all right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my parents did some crazy things when they were that age, too. Like, my dad went and spent, like, uh, six months on, uh, on, like, a dinosaur excavation in mm-hmm. New Mexico or something like that and spent some time in Mexico City. So they, they, they kind of got it that... Um, and they knew that, like, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was 30 and, and, like, jumping out of a career. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So they were, yeah. they were supportive of it, which was good. 
and you still had time. And I bet like if you maybe said that um, before you graduated college, they might have been a little more hesitant. You think that really helped that you graduated first? <laughs> yeah, that I got a degree. Yeah, they were, uh, they were happy about that. Right. And, and uh, a question along the same lines that I actually was going to ask you is that on Twitter, um, you're very prominent on Twitter, um, Rob, and uh, you just seem to have a relationship even with guys from ESPN and CBS like Eamon Brennan and Matt Norlander they, and, and Jeff Borzello. These guys seem like your made clique of friends. I mean, you even have, have tweeted out about Jeff Borzello's basketball skills. Talk about how comforting it is that these young guys are, are on the basketball journalist circuit and and talk about how you see them at events and how much fun it is uh, having guys your age um, to hang out with and talk basketball and work together. Talk about your clique of friends. Well, I mean, it's just, you, you see them everywhere and you know, we're, we're all doing the same thing. We're, we're all, we'll all be at the same events in New York and you know, we'll all be at the, the Final Four and we'll all be at the, uh, the same like kind of AAU tournament and stuff like that and you know, it, it, when you're working weird hours and you're covering a game and, you know, when you get out and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and everyone, you go and you kind of, you look for something to do, that's, you get to know them because, you know, one, they're in the same industry, two, right. they, you have a common interest, you have something to actually talk about, and three, you just see each other all the time. So, um, it, you just, you, you kind of end up getting to know everyone and it, it's good that, it's good to have other people in the industry that you actually like and care about and can talk to and, can hang out with because if everybody that I ran into at all these events were just jerks. I don't think I'd actually like my job as much. Right, exactly. And um, really at the college level, it seems like uh, – it's it, again, you're in such close quarters with these guys, but in some in some industries like NBA and uh, and NFL, it seems like it's a harder route. It seem to to get to meet journalists, and it seems like everything's more spread out than basketball. So um, that I guess that must be a huge perk of the job. Then, yeah, it's good because a lot of the same stuff where you get to know people are these little events that aren't really all like AAU tournaments and stuff like that where. You, know, you, you really don't need very much kind of uh, authority to get in um, mm-hmm. when it comes to like websites, credentials, and all that stuff. So it's, it's uh, yeah. And at the AAU tournaments, I'm sure that there there might not be a whole lot going around outside of the high school. So it must um, mean for you guys to totally hang out at the same hotel and everything like that. Yeah, that's kind of the the way it ends up being. Is these little podunk towns, so only one restaurant and one bar, so you kind of all wind up. <laughs> That would be a fun experience for for guys like me to 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 see uh, those college basketball journalists. Well, um, you know, speaking still on the same lines, um, I def I def we definitely hit up uh, your friends and how you got started with this business. And thank you for very detailed answers. A guy you really talked to is uh, someone who I kind of look up to as a basketball player. In uh, Grant Gibbs of Creighton, I mean, he's such a sly cat with the ball, and he's kind of a throwback player. Talk about Grant Gibbs' game, but I'm also really curious how you guys kind of know each other um, from Twitter. And he definitely seems like a mature personality and someone who's a very witty on Twitter. So talk about Grant and um, how you really view him as an original basketball player and as a friend, like with Twitter and stuff. He uh, he just you know. He- He's very unique in what in the skill set that he has, and you know, I, I, he's kind of he's got like this moxie to him. And, and I, the, the comparison that I always like to make is I like to compare him to Billy Hoyle from uh, White Man Can't Jump because he's kind of got that same attitude when he plays. 
about Grant Gibbs like I think I love Grant Gibbs when I watch him play because it's just he's I don't think I've ever quite seen a player as mature as him because he even sits on the bench with the assistant coaches he's not even like interacting uh well he still interacts with the players but it's kind of like he's even like older than the kids um he's playing with like in terms of like going up an age group and just nothing seems to phase Grant out there. But um, yeah, I mean, he he's he's known to have a couple of scuffles. But the thing I like about Grant is he doesn't seem he seems to kind of embrace like the on court like social um, components of the game in terms of trash talk with John Henson and uh, and talk about how you enjoy Grant Gibbs when he plays because of the moxie and because that he's not afraid to do things that would seem like um too uh you know too abrasive kind of can you can you talk about that a little bit with grant i mean it's just it's fun to watch you know uh i always kind of like those guys that have that tough mindset and you know it's a pleasure to watch somebody who's uh whose best skill on the court isn't to, to just score the ball to shoot the ball because you run into that a lot and he's you know, he's a really good passer, and, and he's good in the pick and roll. So it's a lot of fun to watch a guy whose uh, whose who's attitude on the floor is selfless. You don't you don't see that as often these days, right? Um, and then, uh, since we're talking about Grant, and, and when you talk about controversy, you, I, I definitely want to hear your opinions on Marshall Henderson. I mean, how would you like like talk about Marshall um, as a player? W- would you really like to play with Marshall, or as an analyst, do you think it changes your your view on Marshall Henderson? Like, would you want to play with Marshall? And as an analyst, do you like watching Marshall Henderson? Do you think he's good for the sport? I think I think Henderson's a great. I've watched him play in person a couple times now, and like he's the first guy to pick someone up when they they hit the ground. He's the first guy to come off the bench and, and kind of chest bump someone, um, you know, after a great play or something. So he's a terrific teammate. He's got to be a headache to coach. <laughs> All the off the court stuff that he was dealing with last year, but I think oh, yeah. as far as I know, he's, he's kind of cleaned up his act this year. And, you know, he, he is what he is as a player. I don't think he's really all that much different than uh, than Ethan Rogge, except for the fact that, you know, he kind of, he hump shots a little bit more than Ethan does. Oh, definitely. Hard instead of a center. It's, it's, no land sharks for Ethan either. What's that? No land sharks for Ethan either. Yeah, no land sharks. But, it, I, I mean, he kind of, since he's a guard, you kind of lose that match, uh, the, the mismatch that, that Ethan creates. But, 
you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's good for the sport. Um, and, you know, I think that more than anything, if you kind of look at what he did last year, he saved Andy Kennedy's job. Like Andy Kennedy yeah. wasn't going to be working as the head coach at Ole Miss um, this season if he didn't bring in Marshall Anderson. So it was the least that he could do to, to make sure that he got him back and, and got his degree and tried to get him on the, uh, on, 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 you know, the right side of life, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he, I mean he, you, you knew from Utah. I mean he had to go to a school in uh, in Texas to get back to where he is, and uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, and Ole Miss, I don't think had any part in winning the SEC tournament last year. But what a guy that he just seems to want it more, and uh, and it seems like like his dreams are kind of uh, irrational in a really good way. Like he kind of feels like his Ole Miss team can always win whenever they're on the floor. Yeah. He's very, he's a very confident young man, and uh, it's kind of fun to to watch that. And you know, I like I said, I I, I don't watch. I watch this for storylines, and I watch it to, to be entertained. And you know, Marshall's nothing if not entertaining in the storyline. So it's it's very good for me to to have him around. Okay, Rob. Uh... Thank you for doing our interview. I want to ask you one last question about the Creighton Jays, and uh, and then we'll let you run. And again, we'd love to have you back on the show anytime. I mean, you're a very informative college basketball analyst, and uh, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you tonight. Um, it's great exposure, and for me, who's a young journalist, it's just so awesome to hear the story about the rise of of your um, of your journalist uh, of your journalist career. So uh, again, thank you, and. Uh, my question for you is, uh, do you think Creighton's style of playing is a very risky style in a one-and-done format in the NCAA tournament? The Jays have never reached the Sweet 16 before in Creighton history. Do you think that they live and die by the three, and is that a formula in a one-game pressure situation that could really hurt the Creighton Jays? Yeah, it could, because you know we kind of saw it with Providence when the threes weren't going down the end of the getting smacked around a little bit by the Friars, but, you know, the, the what they do is they create mismatches all over the floor, and they take you out of what you want to do, because if you have a center guard, if you play a center on the floor, you're going to have to have him either chase around uh, Ethan Rogge on the perimeter, or you're going to have to have a center guard, Doug McDermott, and, you know, a center can't guard either of those guys, so what kind of ends up happening is you, you have to play smaller, or you have to deal with the mismatch, or you have to go zone. And if you you, you deal with the mismatch, or you go zone, then you know Creighton's going to light you up because you just can't guard them. They move the ball too well; they're too good offensively. And if you if you go against them with a different mismatch, and it kind of takes away the advantage you have of you know the the lack of size that they play with. Because Ethan Rodney and Doug McDermott aren't big; they aren't post defenders. They're not going to rebound the ball that well. They're not going to block shots. So if you you either have to deal with the mismatch they create or you have to uh, play down to another level. And, and it, either way you do it, it plays in a crazy hand. So, I, I mean, it's a risky thing to do, but, you know, as we saw on Monday, when those threes are going down, they can beat anybody in the country. Uh, you know, I don't see things out of the question for, you know, on a 10-day stretch for them to get hot like that. And mm-hmm. the no. I don't think I bet on that happening, but I don't think it's out of the question. 
No doubt. I mean, you saw uh, you saw Davidson uh, reel off some, some tournament wins, and uh, and you saw you and I a couple of years ago defeat Kansas um, with a team that was mostly perimeter based with Farouk Manesh and Johnny Moran. So um, it. Again, with Duke, with um, Emil Jefferson being their center, I mean, that would be a tougher matchup for them. And uh, when you watch that Villanova game, um, it kind of seems like they were let out of jail, so to speak, because Providence just pretty much was like a team that I kind of compared it to kneeling in Madden, like they just hogged the ball. So talk about when Villanova played Creighton, was it like a get-out-of-jail-free card? Uh, what do you mean, get out of jail free card? Like Providence totally slowed down the Jays and didn't let them have as many possessions. Um, I, I don't know if I'd phrase it that way. I just think that you know they kind of they they did everything that they wanted to do to perfection in that game. You know, they they yeah. forced uh, Villanova to to play with the center on Rocky, um, and and you know it kind of that backfired because he wasn't he was late getting out to him. Um, uh, on like four of those first five threes, and you know, honestly, I think that I, I don't even think it was all just a mismatch. I mean, uh, I think that Villanova just really wasn't prepared. It's one thing to read in the scouting report, hey, you know, Ethan Rogers can shoot. It's another thing to realize, hey, you know what? If you give him any space out to twenty-eight feet, he's going to hit a three on you. So yeah. it, the, the teams in the valley knew that. They knew that what was coming against Creighton, and, and they knew that like he wouldn't, Rogers would never get those looks. Valley, right? Um, but he's going to get him in the Big East at least first time through because teams aren't used to, to well, maybe not anymore after what he did. What he did, but yeah, you know, teams are going to be kind of uh, they're going to get used to it. And they're going to start expecting it. And, and you know what? If you go out and you hug Ethan Rodgers twenty five feet away from the basket, it just creates more space for for guards to drive or for uh, Doug McDermott to operate kind of in the post. So. Exactly. Thanks, Rob, for uh, for stopping by and answering your questions. I'll let you run now. Thanks, Rob. Hey, not a problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. 
What does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc, the Super Bowl edition of Bruce the Sports Doc here on Voice America Sports. The best sports internet radio station is Voice America. Thank you for Jeff Spinard, our president, for, for allowing us, allowing me and Bruce to speak about sports on the air. It's a privilege. And we're going to kick off the show right. We got a star-studded guest list this week, Super Bowl week. Of course, the the big game is only in five days from now, so 
we will this is our last time that we're going to be talking about NFL football before the season wraps up first guest we have on the line is Wes Kaminsky journalism student at Temple Wes what's going on today man we know Wes because he is a huge Bulls fan, and he wrote for Bleacher Report, and he we have some great segments with Wes uh, dating back to last year. So welcome back, Wesley. And uh, you're a huge fan of NFL football. You're a fan of really all sports, but uh, these NFL playoffs, man, talk about talk about the uh, the entertainment value the NFL has right now, and the the, the quality of the NFL playoff games. Yeah, well, these these playoffs have been great. Uh, the championship games at the beginning of the season, you know, those were the matchups that people wanted. You know, I think those were probably the four best teams in the league. Uh, you know, and seeing that, it's going to be Denver and Seattle, just two powerhouses. Seeing the best defense and best offense go at it. And, I mean, the playoffs have been great. You know, you get the first additional games, you get the Andrew Luck comeback. Um, you know, it's just, it's been, it's been an exciting playoffs. Sure, and even though it's a, a predictable kind of a Super Bowl, did you see Seattle getting to this ball game? Did you think they were too young to maybe make the next step? Well, no, I, I thought San Francisco was going to win, to be honest. Um, at the beginning of the season, they were my pick, and then the playoffs, I thought you know, they were hot. But you know, at the end of the game, you know, Seattle's defense came up. Richard Sherman, of course, we all know about him. Yeah. And But you know, Seattle's they're a great team. You know, Russell Wilson has shown... He's been a he's been a scout his first few years, Mark Schumann. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough for Denver, I think. Yeah, do you think the weather's gonna play into it? It's supposed to be between thirty four degrees and twenty six degrees. Does this game favor Seattle in this cold wintry mix? Yeah, I think it definitely favors Seattle. I mean, you always say that Manning's not a cold weather quarterback. Like I don't really believe that. I mean Manning's a stud. Like he's he's proven a lot. People think he's going back from his neck surgery, and he's having the best year of his career this year. So I'm not really buying into struggling in the cold weather or anything. I think I think it's just going to come down to the best team, and I think that's what's going to happen. Right. So speaking about Peyton Manning, you gave me a great chance to segue. He is now 11 and 11 in the playoffs, and he only has one Super Bowl ring, and he's lost. Um, one out of the two Super Bowls, of course, to New Orleans that year in 09. Does this game really cement his legacy? Like, would you put him on the, around that top, um, that top quarterbacks of all time if Peyton can win this game? Yeah, I mean, I think if he wins this, he's definitely in a discussion. Um, I mean, the only knock on him in the past was that he couldn't win the playoffs with a choker and everything. And, I mean, if you, you, know, you saw last year, they were a play away from the AFC Championship game. Uh, Joe Flacco, Hail Mary, and who knows what happened. And this year, I mean, Manning's been unstoppable. I believe 55 touchdowns. It's, I think, I mean, he's got all the stats. He's got a ring, and this would be with another team, I think. I really think this would cement his legacy for sure. Certainly, and you look at that 06 team, they had Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis and Saturday and, and Marvin Harris and Reggie Wade, and they just had all the weapons back then, and their defense really was able to help out. You look at Peyton's running backs over the course of his career, Edron James, a pretty good running back, definitely the best he's ever had. But he really did, didn't really have that that uh, upper echelon running back, so to say. So doesn't that like come into the equation when you think about Manning? He's never had an elite defense or running back. Yeah, I mean, I know that it shows how good he is. You know, he's he has some good weapons. You know, let's not act like Denver doesn't have some great weapons. They got Eckler, Welker, Thomas, Julius Thomas. I mean, they got a great team, but. 
you look at Manning, he's just throwing the ball wherever he wants, and it has, it's been impressive. He carried the Colts however long he was there to division titles, and you saw the one year he left. Well, they got, the one year he was injured, they struggled two and fourteen, and I mean, it's just you need a quarterback to lead the win. It's been proven that. We're going to switch gears a little bit. I'm really interested to pick your brain about Richard Sherman and the way he acted at the end of the game, not only with the interview with Aaron Andrews, but right after the football game. I mean, if you were an opposing player and the other team just beat you and it's a heartbreaking loss, did you think that, were you irritated by Sherman kind of picking at Crabtree, kind of touching his his jersey, jarring with him immediately after the play is over? You know I mean? Sherman and Crabtree have history. You know, they, they don't like each other, so there's obviously something there. They're obviously talking smack all game. And you know what, Crab and Sherman ended up last laugh. I mean, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really that against what Sherman did. You know, he's that, that's who he is. That's it. always been him as a player. I mean, you've seen an interview with Skip Bayless, probably one of the most ridiculous interviews I've ever seen. Yeah, certainly. But it was not actually when his interview was topped by Aaron Andrews, so. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to respect Sherman. I mean, he, he's, he's backing it up, and it may be just an act, because, you know, it's not like he's a stupid guy. He went to Stanford, he had a 3 9. Of course. That's this most heard college education of all time. It has to be. Yeah, he's a good, he's a smart guy. It's just, it's very interesting, you know. He, I'm very curious to see him again, go up against Peyton Manning. Yeah, Demarius Thomas, but the thing that irritated me just about Sherman and uh <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not like a guy that's that's played all the sports. I mean, I played in a couple of varsity sports in middle school and in high school, but the magnitude of that game, it's just such a close game. You're battling it out with your division rivals, and it's kind of like in basketball. If I'm driving the lane and I get my shot swatted and the guy's right up in my face after the game, just like jarring with me, touching me all over the place. I thought that that – I just I, – I, I, I would go off too. I know. I was just irritated, and Crabtree really didn't do anything. Like, he just kind of shoved – he actually took the high road there. I, I'm su- I actually am surprised at what Crabtree did. Yeah, I mean, that was that was pretty bizarre play. I mean, you, you saw Sherman like smack his butt and Crabtree yeah. retaliated. I mean, you don't, who knows what Sherman said when he smacked him? You know. Yeah, of course. It, 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 the NFL soundbite they said heck of a game, but come on. I mean, Richard Sherman has to know in that situation that this is human nature, a human game, and and even Harbaugh was like the Seahawks are a great team and in a rivalry. I don't know. It's just it was way too soon. It was way too soon. Yes, Harbaugh was with him at Stanford. And, you know, the media, it's funny. All the time in the media, we ask for players to be candid and not be all politically correct. So do you think the media has been too hard on Sherman in that regard? I think, I mean, the media likes to blow everything into proportion. You know, I mean, anything you tweet, anything you post on Facebook, whatever, I mean, it's going to get blown up if it's an athlete. So I think with Sherman, it's not surprising that he's been talking to talk of the week but I think that was his plan you know that was his plan and yeah he's loving it got one more game to go. It's crazy. You earned a Hank Aaron tweet, you know, Richard Sherman. Um, if you were an athlete, would would you have Twitter, especially if you were a field goal kicker? Like, there's so many negatives about Twitter. There are also a couple positives. So talk about athletes and Twitter. Talk about what? Athletes and Twitter. Would you have a Twitter if you were an NFL well, place yeah. kicker? I mean, I have a Twitter now. I mean, definitely have a Twitter if I was a professional athlete. I think it's a great – it's just a great way to interact with um, the fan, you know, run contests interact with people and just like it because you want an equal spectrum as the rest of us you know people want to be in touch with celebrities they want to feel connected 
and that's what Twitter does. And I think that some athletes really utilize that on Twitter. You know, they run. It's, I, I, I definitely would. Right on. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about X's and O's of this football game. Since you watch so much football, you are an expert. It would be foolish not to ask you about these things. So the question that I drew up for you is Denver. You have three options if you're Coach John Fox, and these are the statistics that the game will show, okay? These three options, you got to pick one. One of the options is that Denver goes 9 for 14 on third down conversions. The second option that you can pick to outcome this game is Marshawn. Lynch only runs it for 65 yards and one touchdown, or you can have your two running backs of Moreno and Ball, they can combine for 145 yards. Which option would, would you choose? I would pick the third, 9 for 40 on third down conversions. I think that's what separates great teams, you know, who can convert on third down. You saw even the second round, um, the Broncos played the Chargers, you know, Chargers are making a run. Third and 15, the third and 19. Manning hits him, he hit another one on third and six. I think that's what's really going to come down to who can convert on third down because you need those big plays to execute late, and especially in such a big game. Most definitely, and I look at Seattle, and I don't see them giving up a whole lot of first downs on, you know, first and second down. I definitely see those third and fives being crucial in this type of a game, and you're right. The great quarterbacks are always such ice on third down, and they hate not converting third downs, and and, and then you see the mediocre quarterbacks always roll out, kind of roll to their right, throw the ball out of bounds, set the punting team up. I mean, that is definitely a key component of the football game right there. Everybody on that team has never been to Super Bowl. That's yeah. the first time since at least 1990. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting how his team reacts, you know, in such a big stage. It's interesting because I always think that a team has a better chance of reacting against pressure if they can run the football if they're like a smash mouth power team because usually when you put the ball in the air it's kind of a more finessed way to play the game uh is is russell wilson undervalued and the way seattle plays should the nerves really catch up with them because they're more of a smash mouth team whereas if you had the colts and andrew luck coming into the game so much is placed on the quarterback it's it's tougher to fit balls in than to just hand it to marshawn lynch I think Seattle and San Francisco were two, the two most balanced teams in the NFL. You know, they have enough on offense to win, and enough, and their defenses are maybe the two best. So, you know, you look at that, and that's a boy. The Colts, obviously, I mean, their defense was terrible all season. Andrew Luck willed them back from 38 to 10 because, and he has no weapons on his team. But, you know, you saw what happened when he had to throw, throw, throw all game against New England, and, you know, he had, they had to run behind the building because. So I think, yeah, I think it's really important to have that balance. I think Seattle, I think Seattle, Seattle wins that regard against Denver, but I'm not sure if their defense is enough for that Denver offense because, I mean, it might be one of the best offenses of all time. Absolutely, with Manning spreading the ball out to all of those weapons. So Seattle, just keys to win. I think, like, you got to ground and pound it with Marshawn Lynch. What do you really see happening? And just give us a recap of your top keys for each team to win this football game. I think, I mean, it's gonna, I think it's going to come down to the play of Russell Wilson, ultimately. I mean, he's going to have to make big plays. He did it get in the San Francisco game. He hit that big, that big third down throw for the touchdown. Right. That was actually, it actually gave him the lead for good, I believe. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, I mean, that was a huge play. I think Russell Wilson's proven in his short career that he can make big plays. We saw him last season against Atlanta in the playoffs. He brought them all the way back, and then their defense led up at the end. But, you know, I mean, I think him, Marshall Lynch is always a key. He's got to hold on to the ball. You know, saw that last week. He struggled on the goal line. But, yeah, it's just, and obviously, I'm very excited to see what Richard Sherman does. Yeah, I mean they're gonna, they're going to match them up. I I just think that the that Peyton Manning is such a wizard about kind of throwing it to the guy, liking the matchups he does. So I don't expect Sherman to get a lot of uh, a lot of throws his direction next week. Um, but you look at how C- uh, San Francisco was able to stay in the game, and that's one thing about Wilson. I didn't think he played great in the red zone. There were so many chances for them to shut the door, and they didn't. And that's why Kaepernick was twenty yards away from a touchdown. Yeah, well, San Francisco was a play away from winning that game, too. Kaepernick throws it, like, two extra yards, and Crabtree's catching that in the end zone. Exactly. You know, it's crazy how things change, you know. It is. It is, Wes. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on Bruce the Sports Doc and giving uh, us fans a perspective about um, what should be an amazing Super Bowl. Let's hear your uh, Let's hear your score. What do you have for this big game? Um, I like Seattle. You know, I think they're the team. I think I think this is. Just, I think they're a better team. I think the cold weather suits them better. I think they're just gonna outwork them in the end. I like Seattle. I like Seattle 27-24 late on a field goal. Wow, what, what a game it should be. Well, those uh, those minutes went by fast, Wes, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on to talk some bulls as the NBA season's heating up. But thank you for recapping football. Thank you, Wes. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. 
visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.